Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com give. So as Jody said, Pastor Killingsworth, Killingsworth said, the, uh, we're beginning our Advent season. And uh, we have the, the candles and the wreath, and we have a series of sermons that will get us, um, remind us again and again and again of what it means for Jesus to have come. And today we're coming to begin this series, we're become, coming to Matthew chapter 1, um, an account of the birth of Jesus. So read this with me, Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I know that this is a really familiar passage to us, right? I mean, this is a passage that if you're a Christian, you've grown up in church, this is a passage you, you get at least once a year, Right? So you know the story, most of you. You know what's going on. I don't wanna work through every detail and retell the story for you. What I want you to see though is two names here. Jesus and Emmanuel. Verse 21. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So two names. Now in the Bible, names mean something. Names aren't just given carelessly or thoughtlessly, names mean something. Do you remember in Ruth, uh, the early part of the book of Ruth, you have this woman whose name is Naomi, and Naomi loses her two sons. They, they die. And um, she comes back to Israel, and here's what she says. Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. What does Mara mean? Bitter. She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. So she changes her name. She names herself Bitter. Remember in, the, uh, in Samuel, in 1 Samuel, you have the story of this 
couple, and the man's name is Nabal. Remember Nabal? And do you know what, any of you remember what Nabal means? It means fool. Now please, you, you parents, I know we run short on names because we have so many children. That's one probably to mark off the list, right? Here's what, here's what this man's wife says to King David. You can read the story in 1 Samuel 25, but here's what she says. Please do not let my Lord, David, pay attention to this worthless man, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he, right? As his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him, foolishness. He, he lives up to his name. And so names mean something. Names are important. And here the angel says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then the prophet Isaiah said, back in Isaiah 7.14, that's what verse 23 is quoting, Isaiah 7.14, the prophet Isaiah says, behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. So what does Jesus mean? Well, Jesus comes from the Hebrew name Joshua, or if you speak Hebrew, you would say Yeshua. And what does that mean? It means Yahweh, that's the God, the God revealed in the Old Testament. Yahweh is salvation. That's what Jesus means. And so, you will call his name Jesus, not Bob, you know, not George, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's what the name means. Yahweh saves his people from their sins. And then Emmanuel. What does that mean? Well, verse 23 tells us what it means. It translates it for us, right? You'll call his name Emmanuel, which being translated for us, because we're Gentiles, right? It has to be translated for us. For Mark, for me, isn't that wonderful? Which being translated is what? God with us. So you put those two names together, what do you get? God is with us to save us. God is with us to save us. Emmanuel Jesus, God is with us to save us. God is with us, but not God with us to destroy us. Not God with us to burn us up. God with us to save us because this Emmanuel is Jesus. Yeshua, Yahweh saves. God with us to save us from our sins. Now, that should blow our minds. Really, it should. I know it's Christmas time, it's Advent. We, we hear these things over and over again and we, yeah, 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 Jesus born in the manger, blah, 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 blah right? This should blow your mind. And if it doesn't blow your mind, you're just not thinking about it. Why? Because how can God be with us and not, what? Destroy us. How can God be with us and not destroy us? You take that for granted? 
Psalm 5, verse 4 says of God, you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. No evil dwells with you. God doesn't live with evil. God doesn't live with sinners. He hates sin. He hates my sin. He hates your sin. He hates it. And so how in the world is it that God is with us? Here it is, Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Let's think about what it means to have God with us. What does that mean? Isn't God with everyone? Right? Isn't isn't he everywhere all the time? Yeah, God is everywhere all the time. There's nowhere you can go and and, and find a place where God isn't. Remember what David says in Psalm 139. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Answer, nowhere. Where can I flee from your presence? Nowhere. If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, in the grave, behold, you are there. God is always with everyone in that sense. He's always everywhere. There's no place anyone anyone can go to get away from God. There's nowhere you can go to get away from God. So what do we mean by the word with? Well, not just location, right? But presence. He is certainly everywhere in location, and so in that sense, he's with everyone. He's with believers, he's with unbelievers. He's with those who hate God and those who love God. He's with everybody in that sense, but God is with his people. He is present with them. He is close to them. He is in solidarity with with us. He's with us. God has always been with his people. This is, this is nothing new. God has always been with his people. In Genesis 26, God is talking to Isaac. Isaac is one of the fathers of, of Israel, one of the patriarchs. And God comes to Isaac and he says to him, sojourn in this land, in the promised land, the land of Canaan, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and bless you. So he promises to be with Isaac. Be with him and bless him. He says again in in Genesis 26, he says, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear. Why? For I'm with you. I will bless you. Do not fear. I'm with you. He says to Moses, when Moses is about to go and tell tell Abraham, what's the guy's name? Pharaoh. To tell Pharaoh, right? to let my people go, and before he does that, and he's scared about it, God says to Moses, certainly I will be with you, right? He says to Joshua, the guy who replaces Moses, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. And he says the same kind of thing to the prophets, not just the patriarchs, but the prophets. So Jeremiah, God says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. God has always been with his people, not just with the prophets and the, and the patriarchs. He has always been with all of his people. So when he speaks to the nation of Israel, 
and he tells them what to do. Here's what he says. This is in Deuteronomy 20. Talking to the whole nation, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt is with you. When you are approaching the battle, the priest shall come near and speak to the people. He shall say to them, hear, O Israel, you are approaching the battle against your enemies today. Do not be faint-hearted, do not be afraid or panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. He's with you, don't be afraid. He's with you. He's going to save you. Isaiah 41.10, God himself says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43, but now thus says the Lord your creator, O Jacob, He's talking to all the people, all of his people in the Old Testament. Thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Isaiah, or Psalm 46, verse seven, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The Lord has always been with his people, always. With them to bless, with them to protect, with them to fight for them, with them to strengthen them, with them to deliver them, to save them, And so this is the kind of God he is. The kind of God who comes down and gives himself to his people to bless, to protect, to save, to deliver, to fight. And so what does he always say? Whenever he says, I'll be with you, he says, don't fear. Do not fear, for I'm with you. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Don't be faint-hearted, don't be afraid, don't panic. Don't tremble. The Lord is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies. Do not be afraid. It's the kind of God he is. He is a a person who comes down and says, it's okay, I'm with you now. And those promises are for all of his people. They always have been. So, what's going on with Jesus? What's the big deal with Jesus? Why does he get the name Emmanuel, which means God, God with us? God has always been with his people, so what's new now? How is this any different? Well, it's very different. It's, it's plenty different. It's not different in its effects, but it's absolutely different in its degree. In other words, 
When Jesus comes to be Emmanuel, God with us, his presence gives us everything the Old Testament saints got from the presence of God, right? Emmanuel is with us to bless, he's with us to protect, to fight, to strengthen, to deliver, to save. Same thing the Old Testament saints got. But now, he's with us. He's with us, I mean really with us. <coughs> he's with us as a man, as a man. He's with us in our flesh. He's with us sharing our nature, <clears throat> flesh and bone, blood, everything that m- makes a body, right? Like needing to take a drink. <laughs> everything that you and I have a mind, a heart, a soul, an imagination, judgment, a will. He's hungry and thirsty with us. He's weary with us. He is a baby who needed to be nursed and changed. He was a young boy who needed needed to obey his parents, hey? He's a a grown man who has to get up and go to work. And he worked with his hands. He's with us. Nothing that we experience is foreign to him. And he's with us in our sorrows. I want you to think about this. I'm gonna read to you a little section from a sermon by Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a a British pastor back in the 1800s. And he has a sermon on this passage. And here's what he says. Do you feel the sorrows of poverty? He had not where to lay his head. Do you endure the griefs of bereavement, right? Someone died who you love. Do you feel the griefs of bereavement? Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Have you been slandered for righteousness sake and has it vexed your spirit? He said, reproach has broken my heart. Have you been betrayed? Do not forget that he too had his familiar friend who sold him for the price of a slave. On what stormy seas have you been tossed which have not also roared around his boat? Never a glen of adversity so dark, so deep, apparently so pathless, but what in stooping down you may discover the footprints of the crucified one. In the fires and in the rivers and the cold night and under the burning sun, he cries, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am both your companion and your God. Whatever it is you're going through, he has gone through it. That's what it means for him to be with us. And he will be with you in your death. He will be with you in your death. When you and I come to die, what will we find? Emmanuel has already been there and done that. (laughs) He's with us. So yeah, 
This is something new. <laughs> this is something new. This is something different than what the Old Testament saints enjoyed. They enjoyed God's presence and his promises and his protection and his blessing and the cloud by day and the fire by night. But we enjoy his presence in his person. In person. As he himself comes down, he wraps himself in our flesh. He dwells with us. Again, feel the amazement of that. Feel it. Go ahead, it's all right. <laughs> feel it. It's amazing. Now think about that as we look at, as we read again here in Matthew 1. Think about what it says. The Holy Spirit has come to this young virgin woman, we know the story, Mary, right? And conceived in her, the Holy Spirit has come to her and conceived in her a child, a son. And an angel tells Joseph, the man Mary's engaged to, so here he is, a man engaged to a pregnant woman, right? That this son will be named Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew, he's the man writing the, the, the gospel. He says this, now all this took place to, to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God, God with us. Think about this. All right, this newly conceived little zygote. <laughs> you all know what a zygote is? Now, if you're gonna believe, which we do, that life begins when? At conception. So a zygote is a fertilized egg, okay? Mary's little microscopic fertilized egg is God, is God. And all of his majesty, God and all of his might and power God in all of his eternity and holiness and perfection. God. And so the angel comes to Joseph and the angel says this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Are you crazy? What? Don't be afraid to take her as my wife. I, so let me get this straight. I shouldn't be afraid to take Mary as my wife. And why? What's the reason that the angel gives? <laughs> because the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. God with us. So are you, are you serious? This is, that's terrifying. I'm, I'm going to live with a woman who has God in her womb. And that baby is going to what? That baby's gonna come out. And you tell me not to be afraid. Don't be afraid even though I'll be living with the great and glorious creator of the universe in my wife, right? In my bed, in my house. 
the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, who dwells on a high and holy place. He is gonna live in my house. And you tell me not to be afraid. Yes, Joseph. Don't be afraid. What, what does God always say when he says, don't worry, I'll be with you? He says, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Remember, here's what Isaiah 57, 15 says. Listen to this. For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell on a high and holy place. And also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. The majestic God high and exalted, high and lifted up in the holy place, the majestic God is also the merciful God. The high and exalted one who lives forever, dwelling on a high and holy place, also dwells with those who see their sin and hate it. Because that's what it means. When he says, he also dwells with the contrite and the lowly of spirit. They see their sin and they hate it. And he dwells with them, not to crush them, not to crush them, but to revive them, to give them life. Notice it's, it's not with the proud. It's not with the proud. He doesn't say, I'll dwell with the proud. He, what does it say about the proud? He opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. Not with the bitter, not with the angry, not with the arrogant. with those who, who see their sin and hate it, the contrite and lowliest spirit. So no, Joseph, don't be afraid. God is with you. The, the majestic, merciful God is with you. God is with us. But God is with us in the person of Jesus, the one who came to save his people from their sins. Are you, in ancient times, um, warring kingdoms, so kingdoms that were, were fighting against one another, or that were at war with one another, would often pledge peace to one another by sending important people to live with one another, right? So okay, we're gonna strike a deal. My son, the king's son, is going to marry your king's daughter, right? And then we'll have a real good reason not to go to war with each other, right? Because my grandkids are over there, right? You know, there's something invested. We can't do this. We can't fight anymore because we're related. Now think about what God has done. God has pledged peace to us. He sent his son here to live here, 
to a place that hated him, that was at war with him. And his son took on our flesh. His son became one of us. And that has to mean peace. That has to mean peace. No wonder the angels said, remember what they said? When they announced him his birth, they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. His coming here and taking on flesh has to mean peace for us. Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with God? Seriously, do you have peace with God? You know yourself. You do know yourself, right? You know yourself. You know what you're like. (laughs) Right? You know what you've done. What do you deserve for what you have done? What do you deserve for what you're like? The high and holy one to to live with you? Is that what you deserve? No. We deserve for God to crush us. Don't we? But here he is, Emmanuel, Jesus, coming to save his people from their sins. Has he saved you from your sins? Are you contrite and lowly of spirit? Are you contrite and lowly of spirit? Ask yourself the question. Do you see your sin and hate it? Or do you see just everyone else's sin and hate them? Point out the problems with everyone else. Your parents, your sister, your church, I urge you, young and old, seek the peace with God that only comes through Jesus and only comes to those who will humble themselves. How can it be that you can be saved as a proud man, proud woman, by the Lord Jesus who came down and humbled himself? Servant is not better than his master. And he's humble. He's he's with us. Come to him. Let's pray.